Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. All right, I am in my last sermon in this series, and I want to lean into this one more time because I cannot be more clear about what I believe is happening in the church. Uh, This year will mark 20, next year will mark 25 years in ministry. That means 25 years of Bible studies and sermons and seeing people be reached, and that's been a wonderful time. But I have seen the church change. And in seeing things change, one of the things that I've known that we've done for years is the church has always grown by getting people who grew up in church and one day decided, I want to find a new church. That's how the church tends to always grow. They want to take church kids and give them a new space. And one of the things that we've said about you all is some of you all are transplants. You came from a good, healthy church, and now you feel like we're a good, healthy church. Some of you all are wanderers, meaning you came from what you considered a toxic space, something that you were uncomfortable with, something that you felt like wasn't working, and now you've come here and you feel like this is a place that is whole and can help you out in your walk with God. But some of you are slide backers, and what we were saying is that you were raised in a home and you eventually backslid after being in that home that you were raised in Christ. You went to college or you went to be with your friends or you went to work and you completely rejected the things that you were trained in, honed in, in your home. And then one day you got convicted. You say, I can't do this without the Lord. And so just the way you backslid, you slid back into the house of God. And we welcome you, slide backers, in the mighty name of Jesus. (laughs) But that fourth category are foreigners. And these are people who did not have a praying grandmother. These are people who did not grow up with verses and hymns. These are people who did not get drugged to church every Sunday. These are folks who don't know the Bible verses and they don't know the songs. These are folks who the things of God are foreign to them. We are in a time now, we are in a new generation of people where church is not necessarily the option people are looking for for inspiration anymore. People aren't looking for their wisdom from the church anymore. And the reason why is there were people who were enduring things in the institution of the church that they will not endure anymore in in a very good way. There were things that were tragic and toxic about the church that people would just do because that's what you just did. You just went to church. Now people have replacements for that. Where they had sermons, there's podcasts that can give you wisdom too. Where people had fellowship, they go to brunch now. Where folks wanted to feel spiritual, they got yoga now. There are so many replacement options that people don't have to come into a building and have people let them down anymore. And so what people have done is they've found a new way. And the tragedies and failures of the church are oftentimes advertised more than the victories and the benefits of the church. A crazy thing has happened. People who have left church have become authorities on church. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever seen in my life. You can leave church and be like, this is what the church should do. Do you go to church? No, I don't go to church. It's like, well, how are you a trainer, but you don't go to the gym? Like, I just don't get how that works. (laughs) But there are all these people. And and so what's happening is 
There is mass deconstruction happening. And that is a good thing. Because when you deconstruct, what you're saying is, I am detaching my faith from the habits and the culture that I was a part of. But it's only healthy when you attach to the Lord. You see, if you're deconstructing and you're leaving church and the word, then you're not deconstructing, you're dethroning Jesus. But to deconstruct means you are rethinking the habits of your church, your family, and your culture. Because many of you come from what we would call Christian-like cultures. But there is no Christian culture. There is no Christian nation. Some of you have come from homes where there were songs being played all the time that blessed the Lord. But there were also toxic things in your family too. No one has come from a pure nation, pure culture, pure tribe, or pure family. We should all be deconstructing the things that we have been a part of. Yes, your family has been saturated in Christ, but they weren't necessarily sanctified. There are a lot of things you learned. This means that that fourth person, the foreigner, the person that's new in Christ, they actually have an advantage. When they walk into these spaces and they don't know the songs and they don't know the word and they're trying to figure things out, they are leaving what they've known to come into this space and learn everything again. They actually have an advantage because we should all be rethinking the habits of the churches and communities that we've been in and reattaching, taking habits and putting them up to the lens of Christ and to the lens of the word. And if we do not do that, we will presume that everything we were part of, all the traditions, all the habits, all the things we've seen, were all just part of the way that God intended them to be. The truth is, is that when we talk about a house of prayer for all nations, Jesus is not just calling nations. He's calling names from nations. He's calling individuals out of nations. And he's calling you from a nation to be a new nation, to bless the nations. He's calling you out of a nation to be a new nation, to bless the nations. This is what we see in the scriptures. I want to jump down to Genesis chapter 12. The scriptures read this way. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram was being called out of a space called the Ur of the Chaldeans. He was being called out of that nation. Now, how does God call him? By name. He calls Abram on his own. And what does Abram now have to do? 
he has to leave everything he has known in order to become this new nation. And he says, I will make you a great nation. Now, if you look before in Genesis chapter 9, in Genesis chapter 11, the scriptures tell us that the Tower of Babel was to be built. And what they said was, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. In one chapter, chapter 12, God says, I'll make your name great. In chapter 11, the people say, we want to have a great name. There is a stark contrast between those two chapters. In there, you see a desire. In chapter 11, there were a ton of people who had individual names. But they looked at one another and said, if we come together, we can make a great name. But in chapter 12, God looks at Abram and says, everything you know must change. And if you do this, I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing to the nations. To be a blessing then would be to go out, to have the favor of God, the blessing of God, the anointing of God on your life because you are submitted to the things of God. And this name would be because God's favor is on you, because your life is submitted to him. And God takes Abram transforms him, and uses him to be a blessing. The Bible says in Matthew 28, look here with me. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. So what is nations? What is nations? What does it mean to be a nation? The the scriptures here uh, in, in in the Greek, when you look at it, he says, make disciples of all nations. That's written in such a way that it's corporate. But then he says, teach them. He says, baptize them. And that's written to individuals. And so when he goes from the corporate side to the individual side, he therefore shows that the nations were to be reached, but we are reaching individuals from those nations. Nations don't have hearts. People have hearts. They have minds to be taught to be discipled and to be trained up in the things of the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew 25, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will, watch this, separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Read that again. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people 
one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will place sheep on his right, but goats on his left. The Bible says that he will gather all these nations and all these different people. But then there will be a judgment And in the judgment, there will be a distinction, sheep from goats. And only Jesus, the shepherd, will be doing the separating. What that fundamentally means is that there will be people who will be of all different nationalities who come into our midst. But in the end of the day, Jesus will separate those who have been looking like sheep the whole time, but they were actually goats. What I'm trying to tell you is there are people who pray like sheep, sing like sheep, read the Bible like sheep, talk like sheep, but they're really goats. They come from a sheep background. Their mama sung like sheep. They, know, they, script, they memorize scripture like sheep. They've served like sheep. They've even preached like sheep, but the whole time they weren't sheep. And what happens is, is that when you're a part of a corporate entity, you can look like something you're really not. And it says here, look at what it says. He'll call the nations, but he'll separate the people. And what Jesus is prophesying here in Matthew 25 is that it was always intended that the nations would be here. What he meant is there were people from all different types of backgrounds, but none of us can lean into our culture and lean into our background and simply say, I've always been like this. Look at the tradition I come from. Look at the heritage I've inherited. All of us must be called by name individually into a relationship with Christ. And all of us must submit our lives to Jesus. Because if the Bible is true, some of us will look like sheep to the very end. And that means that some of you can potentially come into this space and presume that by getting into the rhythm of church and church life, that in some way you are now growing in intimacy with God. Corporate worship is different than private worship. Raising your hands here on Sunday is different than raising your hands on Thursday. And what Jesus is saying here is, and I talked about this last week, at times we use this imagery of nations and we just talk about how we want to win people from different places. And that's true. But the truth is, is not only are you from different cultures, many of you, we have this diverse, wonderful church And I love it. But if we just lean into the fact that we have different shades and complexions, that's great for Instagram and pictures. 
But I've been a part of so many different things where the diversity efforts are really about just having different looking people. The truth is you come from a new culture, but you got to start a new culture in here. You come from a, a, a nation out there, but you're, we're a new nation in here. Because you might know the word, but that doesn't mean you know how to love. You got to learn how to love. And I'm talking about loving your neighbor. You see, this is what Jesus, and, and this is, you know, I, I can't separate the sheep from the goats, but I can tell who's mature when I see conflict. I'll amen that myself. Because <laughs> I, I know, I, man, I, my, you know, my dad's a PhD theologian. I've met so many people who have been saturated in the word of God, but I don't see the fruit in their lives. I know, I know people with resumes and doctorates and backgrounds and a grandmama and a mama's mama and a family and all this stuff. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is we are all being transformed. We all have to look at what we came from. Because if you don't separate yourself from, your, from where, how you grew up, if, you're, if you grew up in a Christian culture, you may just be following the culture and not Jesus. What brought you here may be the habit of finding friends, not intimacy with Christ. I can't tell you how many people move to New York and what they want to find are friends, not Jesus. And they like our diversity. They're like, oh, look, look at all these different types of people. Oh, I like this. This is great. <laughs> and they like our Instagram. They're like, oh, man, it's so, it's so cool. And everybody's so young and it's fun. And We are not a, a social network. We are not a social service. And if you follow to the end, you will be separated at the end. You must individually follow Christ. And there's things from your past and your culture you must reject. No culture is sanctified. Black culture is not sanctified. Korean culture is not sanctified. Now, a lot of us come from churchy backgrounds. But just because you came from a churchy background does not mean the church is in you does not mean that Christ is in you. And what, 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 when I talk about love, when I talk about this ethic, look at what Jesus says in John 14. In John 14, he's feel the weight of this. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Now the Shema was always said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So that wasn't new. Meaning it wasn't new for them to hear this idea of loving God, loving your neighbor. That wasn't new. But look what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So what's new about it? He says, just that I have loved you, you are also to love one another by this People will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I would think that Jesus would say, they will know you are my disciples if you love them. I would presume the world would know we're disciples if we love the world. He says, you will be known by my disciples when you start loving each other. Now, I have a whole message I could go into, but it is harder to love the people close to you than the people outside. It's, it's harder to love your wife than to love people at your job. Okay, many of you aren't married, so you don't know the weight of that. <laughs> Family members and, and people who are closer to you, yes. th thank you, Josh. Th those, 
those, those people are harder to love than it is people who you see once a week and you can give them fake love. But the people who see you when you're tired and the Bible is saying that when the church loves one another, the world actually knows, oh, I see you follow Jesus. Do you see that? So if you love them, they're like, I don't know. But if you love each other, they're like, oh, absolutely. You must be following Jesus. Now, why is that happening? The, 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 because why is it a new commandment? Because when you look at the disciples, you know who are some of the disciples? One of them was Simon the Zealot. And to be a zealot would have been to be someone who hated the Roman Empire, who absolutely hated the things of Caesar. There was a group amidst the zealots called the Sicarii, and these were called dagger men. This was, these were like the mafia. And they loved destroying the Roman Empire. But also one of the disciples was Matthew, the tax collector, who benefited off the Roman Empire, who was a Jew taxing other Jews, and who made money out of the Roman Empire just so that he could become rich. And Jesus called Matthew, and he called Simon. And there's a reason why we have Simon, the zealot, Matthew, the tax collector, Because we are supposed to see these two people who have nothing to do with one another together in Christ. In other words, the world should say the only reason why they're around one another is Jesus. That's something different than having many shades and complexions of people. That's something different than having people that look different. The, the depth of our love is when we love people who are different from us. Because I don't know if you know this, but there are people who have the same ethnic background but are very different than you. Did you know that? <laughs> and the temperature of our love is when we lean into that tension. When we lean into our differences. And he says, that's what's new about us. And we become a new nation. So Matthew is called out of his tax collecting. Simon is called out of his zealousness into Christ. And in the same way, you are being called out of a culture, a habit, a tribe, all of us. Regardless of what your background is. And we must come new together. One of the things I do with my leaders is, you know, we, last week we were talking about conflict. I said, how many of you, how, how did your family do conflict growing up? Everybody started laughing, like, conflict? We just yell, scream, I don't know. How did we do conflict? I can't even tell. Because a lot of you come out of spaces where you have to relearn how to do conflict. Because we're the new family in Christ. And we are constantly relearning how we do things. And this, Jesus says, is a light to the nations. I would love it if the way we win the world is just by doing a bunch of outreaches to people I don't know. That, to me, is honestly easier. But to love people on a regular basis, that, to me, is supernatural. And that 
is what he says is distinctive. And so when Simon and Matthew are in the same space following Jesus, Psalms 57 and 9 says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praise to you among the nations. He says, I will sing praise to you among the nations. He's saying, I will be a light amongst my own nation. And just like Abraham, I will leave everything that I know and I will praise you. But I will be a light amongst the nation, amongst my own nation. Let me just take a commercial break. We have a very young church. But you can be young and mature. And I want you to know that some of you have impressed your family by saying, I go to church now. And I'm proud of you. But some of you need to be a light to your family. Because some of you come from families that go to church, but they have very broken habits. And I want to encourage you that whatever family or tribe or nation you come from, God has called you to be a blessing to your family. Some of you are going to go home during Christmas and you're going to fall back into some of the same habits. My encouragement to you is not just to fall back into the same habit of being a child. My encouragement is for you to be a servant when you go home. To be a servant, to show the light of Christ to your family. You know there's folks in your family that, don't go to, that go to church that don't know Jesus. You know that one uncle that comes into your home every Christmas, talk about I love the Lord, but his breath smell like all different types of stuff. You know these people don't know the Lord. And yet, we don't realize your nation becomes your mission. Your tribe becomes your mission. Your family becomes your mission. Your father might be your mission. Your mother might be your mission. Your old friends might be your mission. And God has called you out, but not to stay away, but to be a light to those folks. Don't you see when he's saying we're, we, we, we were called out of a nation to be a new nation, but to be a light to the nations so that people would see all these, this wonderful collective of people that are blessing the world. And so when Jesus in Mark 11, it says, and he was teaching them and saying to them, verse 17, is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus, in that one moment, went to the court of Gentiles. He could have went to the court where the Israelite men were. He could have went to the, the naos where that's the holy of holies, but he decided to go to the court where the Gentiles were. 
And when he goes there, it says nations. What I believe is that when Jesus was in that court, the Bible says he did it in John 2 and he did it in Mark 11. That means Jesus went to the temple twice, flipped over tables, called out that it was called to be a house of nations, house of prayer for all nations. Jesus did that twice. Why would Jesus do this twice? This is a riot. Why would he flip over tables twice? John 2 says he made a whip of cords. It says that they were wanting their money and they were making sure that no one was able to hold on to their change, anyone. Why would he do it twice? Because in John 2, he flipped over tables. And you know what happened after that? They put the tables right back up. And we, as people, have a habit of starting to create a culture of sameness where we're all just, you know, we all know the Lord. And we're all singing the songs. And there's a very deep habit within church culture to forget about the foreigner, the person that doesn't know the things of God. And Jesus is still flipping over tables today because we, Bridge Church, will create systems, habits, and have a posture where we will fall, we will, we have, a, we will have a tendency to fall into the habit of just waiting on more Christians to come. And we will have to break habits. We'll have to make outreaches. We'll have to sacrifice time in order to make sure we're reaching those who don't have those same traditions. Because if we don't, what we'll do is we'll rely on Instagram and we'll rely on being a cool church And we will never truly try to reach those people that Jesus was longing for. But it's not just our church in terms of our Sundays. We can beeline to friends who know the Lord. We can can run to people we're most comfortable with. And part of what made that court of Gentiles so problematic wasn't just that they were manipulating them and they were, having a, they were doing a scam on them. They were okay if they were there or they weren't. They were expendable. And I believe that, you know, next year we're doing um, this evangelism course, Pastor Rasul will teach on gospel fluency. I believe that not only as a church we can do that, but individually we can fall into this habit of just leaning into fellowship day by day and walking right past people who we know feel far from God. And in that, I pray that Jesus would flip over all of our habits. I pray that Jesus would completely destroy the way 
that we have that tendency with inside of us. And my prayer is that as we go into this new space, I'm glad. I really am. I really am glad we got a new building. But I'm scared, too. I'm concerned. Because when you grow, in, when you grow with people, you, you can, it can, we can look successful if we have a full room. Yeah. We can look successful. And then, oh, gosh, we're diverse. Man, so the pictures look incredible. And Jesus one day is going to not just look at the pictures on Instagram. Jesus is going to separate the people. And all I'm trying to say is we must reach people who are far from God. But we also need to reach people who are close to church. And that we would all come into a relationship with Christ intimately. And I say this to you here. If you are a believer and you have not taken seriously our mandate to reach people who don't know him, I believe you are missing out on the purpose of your life. But secondly, I would say that there is a chance that some of you are here and church is a habit and a culture, but you have not intimately come to know him. I am struck by what Matthew 25 says. I I fundamentally believe that it's not goats that look like sheep are fooling us. I think they're fooling themselves. I pray that if you do not know Jesus intimately, that you would make today the day. Now, I said this in the last service, and I'll lean into this one last way. We don't do altar calls every Sunday. There's a reason why. When we do altar calls, people come up individually, and then all of a sudden it's hard to find them because they're part of a spiritual battle. I believe Christ's main way of seeing people drawn to Christ is through individuals reaching people. When you are a light to those around you. Because when they come up, they've come up and I hug them and it's wonderful. But then they're out to the world again. What they need is a relationship. And I pray that we would be on mission loving those around us. People wouldn't just be drawn to our Sundays, but they'd be drawn to us. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you and use you for the people around you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray a blessing over our time. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use your word in our lives, that we would remember that we're being drawn from a culture and a nation but to be a new nation and to be a blessing to the nations. And I pray that the Lord would use each person here. I pray that the Lord would use each of our backgrounds. And I pray we would be unleashed to be houses of prayer, individually drawing those who may be far from you, whether they've been churched, 
or de-churched or unchurched. And I pray that the Spirit of God would draw them close. Not just close to you, but to close to you in us. In Christ's name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.